Welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast, a production from Empowering Pumps and Equipment as the voice of the pump and related equipment industry. Womack here to introduce a bonus episode of the Empowering Industry Podcast. During most episodes, you'll hear Charlie and myself talk about social media, preview the news from Empowering Pumps and Equipment, and then do an industry interview. But this special episode is just an interview. You're about to hear Charlie interview Ben Freck, the Public Relations and Regional Policy Manager at the National Groundwater Association. During the interview, Ben talks about the work that NGWA is doing to increase public awareness on issues that impact the groundwater industry, and then he talks about Groundwater Week and how you can participate. Groundwater Week is a virtual event scheduled for next week, December 8th through the 11th. Make sure to check out the links in the show notes for how to connect with NGWA and how to register for the event. Just a couple more things before we get to the interview. Please do us a favor, leave us a rating and review for the podcast. And then subscribe so that we show up in your podcast feed every Monday with new episodes. We'd also love to connect with you on social media. Tag us at Empowering Pumps using the hashtag Empowering Industry Podcast or email us at podcast at empoweringpumps.com. Okay, without further delay, here's your interview. Ben, welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yes, and we'll um, get back to talking about how our love for podcasting. But first, <laughs> go ahead and introduce yourself and tell everybody kind of who you are. Yeah, my name is Ben Freck. I am the Public Relations and Regional Policy Manager for the National Groundwater Association. The National Groundwater Association is the professional association. We represent water well contractors, groundwater scientists, uh, groundwater engineers, as well as water well pump manufacturers, uh, suppliers, and everything in between. Um, We are located in Westerville, Columbus, and as I said, we are a national organization. I joined NGWA uh, last September as their public relations and regional policy manager, and my job is essentially to spread the word about what we're doing, to you know talk to the media, to uh, make sure that the NGWA, our services and our the good stuff our members doing is prevalent in the media, as well as I run our regional policy committees, which are um, groundwater is by and large managed by states. So what we have set up are regional policy committees around the country where we can kind of keep a boots on the ground and an ear to the ground on how the states are implementing some of their groundwater management, have new policies that are coming into fruition around the country where we may need to get involved, you know, some good ideas that we may be able to borrow at the national level. So yeah, that's basically what I do. And uh, it's great to be here. Well, I think it's amazing. Okay. There's so much there to just unpack and really (laughs) try to figure out, okay, which direction do I go with that? One thing that you just taught me something, I didn't realize that the groundwater was managed on that regional level like that. It makes sense. But what do you do when, you know, there's a body of water that goes between states? And to me, it sounds like, you know, we've got to step in at that, at that point and make sure that, you know, we are collaborating and making good decisions and, 
Um, I think that that's bigger than state by state, but um, it's interesting that you pointed that out. How do you all get involved or step in in that case? So that's a that's a great point. You know, the one thing about water is, you know, it flows. It doesn't stay in the same place hardly at all, right? If it's doing, it's what it's supposed to be doing. And because of that, you're right, it, it divides lines geographically, it divides political lines. And, you know, states handle that in different ways. But yes, by and large, the states are the managers of their own groundwater, usually between their Department of Natural Resources or something similar, however the state is set up. We do see it come up in uh, at the federal level when it comes into matters of, yes, pollution, um, a lot of time or groundwater contaminants flowing and then impacting other parts of the state or other states where it will travel through and the source point of that pollution will sometimes be in one state and enter into another state. So, you know, there are various, um, you know, legal remedies to this. And recently there, we, we were actually filed an amicus brief in the Maui County versus the Hawaii Wildlife Fund, um, which tackled some of these issues about, you know, where source point water or contaminated water, when it starts to travel through groundwater and then enter, you know, surface water, whether that be lakes, streams or the ocean, who's responsible for that? What municipality is responsible for that? Which company is responsible for its remediation? So, you know, the, the the state level management of groundwater does bring up a lot of issues, um, you know, but for the most part, those can be handled at the state level. Yeah. Thank you for that. I was just so curious to understand it better. So Ben, tell me a little bit about, well, I guess you told me that, you know, you're kind of in charge of this area of getting the, the word out and the message out about what you're doing. And um, I think that that's something that we need so much in the water space, um, just educating people in general, but also bringing people together. So tell us how you got into that. You know, wh- what led you to the water industry for, for starters? Yeah. So, you know, I, I came largely from, I have a political background for the last 10 or 15 years. I had been working on political campaigns, political issues. And towards the end of that, I was doing a lot of political consulting and not just for candidates, but oftentimes for industries, um, you know, the healthcare industries, the energy industry, uh, the agriculture industry. And I'd been doing a lot of work within these industries because of course, you know, they're constantly lobbying for certain issues. They're constantly lobbying for certain state legislative agendas. Um, which always have a public relations arm to them. You know, they always need somebody out there telling their story. Um, so, you know, the later I got into my career doing that kind of stuff, I really saw the value of doing this type of work for an industry and then, but keeping with that, you know, um, not going from one industry to another, but really taking the time to learn about the industry, learn what it does, learn the importance of that industry, and then be able to tell that industry's story. Um, you know, to national media, to local media, wherever it may be, uh, and help, you know, by telling the story of of this industry, by talking about the great things it does, by talking about how important it is, which is, you know, a great thing about water is I think at a core, everybody's core, they understand that water is essential to life, right? So... But but we can still talk about it more because I yeah, think people oh yeah. take it for granted, right? That, that that 100%. I think it's important to tell the water industry's story in the media and also while advocating for our issues because it is something that people, I think, fundamentally have learned to take for granted. And a lot of this comes from not fully understanding what goes into providing clean water, what goes into, um, you know, drilling water, drilling a water well, the, you know, what it takes to get this out of the ground, making sure it's clean, making sure you have drinking clean drinking water, water to shower in, and the industry people behind that. 
And, you know, I think the more you can raise awareness about everything that goes into it and potential contaminants, you can start getting people more involved in the process. You can start getting, you can start making people kind of open their eyes and be like, oh, wait, this, you know, this, this is a resource we need, but it's not, you know, by any means guaranteed to us. You know, it's not by any means um, always going to be there unless, you know, we take proactive measures to ensure it is. So, you know, I think there's always a story to tell uh, in the groundwater industry and the water industry that is going to be important to people. Uh, And it's really just about finding those stories and finding ways to communicate our issues and communicate our industry to the, to the public at large. And that can be challenging because, you know, especially when, you know, half of our membership is scientists, you know, we do a lot of work around, um, you know, stormwater, uh, emerging contaminants, PFAS and that kind of thing. And some of these can be very heady issues, very heavy issues on the science. So a lot of what I do is break down what of this can I clearly communicate to the public and get our message across? How can I best do that? What's the story I want to tell about PFAS? What do I want to be able to tell the public about stormwater management? You know? Okay. So first of all, we need to tell people what PFAS is because uh, this was new to me this year. And I know it's becoming more and more Mm -hmm. um, pointed for the sealing industry for one. Um, Tell us about that and how, how are they, how are you being involved with that? Yeah, of course. So um, PFAS basically stands for, it's a group of substances. It's not just one substance, one substance, but it's basically a group of something, PFAS, PFOA, or a group of chemicals that have been called forever, forever chemicals. They've kind of been branded. And these have largely come from the plastics industry. They've come from, they're very prevalent in like firefighting foam. They are very prevalent in anything, um, non-stick sealants, that type of thing. And have been just used in various ways across, um, you know, American industry since I believe the thirties or forties. And what we've noticed about these, you know, these contaminants have essentially infiltrated our water, infiltrated our surface water, infiltrated our groundwater to the point where we are seeing the contaminants you know, show up in the human body. There was a movie called Dark Waters and another documentary about this in the last couple of years where they discuss not being able to find a blood sample in the entire on earth that does not have this PFAS chemical in it. And so, you know, it's also, it's important to make sure that people do understand that in the life of science and the life of research, we are at the very beginning of studying PFAS and PFOA. So we are not 100% sure what this impact has on the human body. You know, there's been a lot of indications that, you know, this does have a very negative impact. It has led to sickness, cancers, but there's another, there's, you know, a whole school of research out there that has not come in yet. So the scientific community has basically started to believe that this is a potentially dangerous group of substances that is coming into our body and has contaminated our groundwater and our surface water. And it's very hard to get rid of. It's very hard to remediate. It's very hard to get out of your body. Um, and so what we did at NGWA was we were actually some of the one of the first organizations to produce the what we called the, our PFAS guidance document, which was essentially the kind of go-to resource for how PFAS travels in groundwater, how it could potentially be remediated in groundwater, how it lives in groundwater. So basically the first guidance document on how to deal with PFAS and PFOA when it comes to groundwater. And, you know, we have also been advocating for years 
to get more PFAS legislation passed in, in Congress and, you know, in, in the Senate and, you know, through the White House um, that has more funding for PFAS remediation. A lot of this money, the PFAS remediation money that's come out has not been centered around private well owners. They've kind of been left out of the equation. You know, they go to these big systems, uh, these municipal water systems, and very little of it, if any of it, has really found a way to private well owners or to groundwater users. So that's something we actually really hope to revisit again in the upcoming legislative session. And we've actually seen some movement on that as well. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you are being proactive, which I always like to hear uh, when we find out something like this. And and we know that our industry is working together to solve this problem. So let me swap, change gears just a little bit. You have an event coming up and let's go into that. Let's talk about, you know, when is the event and, and what to expect from that? Yes. So Groundwater Week 2020 will be December 8th through the 11th. And this year, for the first time ever, Groundwater Week is going to be a 100% virtual event. Uh, So it will all take place online. All of our exhibitors, all of our lectures, all of our workshops, uh, all of our continuing education courses will all be in one place and all available online. You know, we usually have this event every year in Las Vegas or Nashville. There's only a couple of places that can we can actually have this event because of the size of the rigs that we exhibit um, and a few other factors. Due to COVID-19 this year and due to the restrictions on social gatherings in Nevada and Las Vegas, there was basically no way for us to have our show. There was no way for us to, because of the limits to how many people could be in an exhibit hall, um, you know, to the safety measures. There was just really no way for us to provide a show to the quality that people expect and really to make make the process a valuable one to every you know, attendees and to our organization. Our board voted to go 100% virtual this year, but next year we are planning again to be in Nashville for an in-person show. You know, going virtual was a very tough decision, but I ultimately it was the right one, we feel. Um, you know, it's going to have its challenges. You know, people aren't necessarily used to this format of going to shows, you know, these types of shows online. They're used to being in an exhibit hall. They're used to, you know, being in in-person classes. So, you know, there are things that are going to be a challenge about it, but there's also going to be aspects of it that are going to provide an opportunity, right? Because once we have a virtual show, it allows people from around the world to access this much easier. It's much more accessible to people who aren't living in America, but who are also, you know, come to this show every year. And we're hoping to expand that because, you know, we have our show consists of groundwater scientists, water well drillers, manufacturers, suppliers, basically every focus of the industry is represented there. We're really hoping that uh, it's going to be a success and we're excited about it. You know, we've been working hard and the feedback we've gotten just, you know, already from some of our test runs and some of our early materials has been positive. Yeah. And I'm so excited when I hear that, you know, you are taking the initiative to continue to bring your community together. So we don't want to go a whole year without talking to our community, right? And really just bringing them together. So um, kind of that once a year getting together, 
And then I'm sure you have things throughout the year, uh, meetups and different things you do, but we, we have that like common bond during these events. And yeah. okay, this is like something we always do in December. So being able to, you know, give somebody a sense of normalcy, even though we're yeah. adjusting how we're interacting, um, I think it's just, it's really helpful. And, and that sense of community and belonging to, to, to like-minded groups, right. That we really care about. And, uh, water is definitely one of those that I know this industry and they're going to be right there with you. Yeah, 100%. You know, I mean, we are also going to work hard to build, um, you know, community events, networking events, opportunities for peers to, you know, share stories, share knowledge. Because one thing that is so cool about Groundwater Week and our Groundwater Summit, which goes on at the same time, is, you know, our membership is built of groundwater scientists and engineers and water well manufacturers and water well drillers. So what Groundwater Week really does, which I don't, think a lot of shows are able to do is they're able to bring the science and then also see how that science is applied in the real world. So there's always a great connection between our scientists and engineers and our contractors where they really get to explore the other side of the industry and see what works and doesn't, what the other um, side of the industry, um, you know, advice they have on certain things or where, where the science is going, how the science is going to inform the technology that these water well contractors are going to be using, you know, five, 10 years down the road. So that's one thing that, you know, we've always found is very important to the industry uh, as a whole. And we just, you know, we just didn't want to give that up this year. And, you know, we're doing everything we can to kind of bring that feeling into the virtual setting. So what can they expect? How are they going to participate? I know we will definitely put a link to uh, registration in our show notes, but kind of any tips on how best to participate? So the best way to, to, to attend the virtual Groundwater Week is to register at groundwaterweek.com. Once you've registered, you will then, as we approach the date, be provided with more instructions on how to participate in the program and use the, um, it's called Pathable, use the uh, software that will basically be running all of the workshops. We'll be showing our keynote speakers. We'll have a virtual exhibit hall. Um, so essentially what it will be is you will log in every morning and you will have a hub. You're, you know, it'll be basically like a very just advanced website where you'll see a schedule of events. You'll see access to a virtual exhibit hall where you'll be able to talk with exhibitors in real time. Uh, you know, we'll have live sessions, um, live workshops where, you know, you'll just like usual, you'll be able to sit and hear a presentation. And then at the end, um, it'll be like a Zoom meeting um, or something of that nature where you'll have a chance to do a Q&A with the presenter. So it'll very much be like a set up like an in-person event. It'll just all be virtual. All Everything that we have at an in-person event besides the the happy hour essentially will be some form of that will be available at Groundwater Week. Yeah. And I like Pathable. I've, I've used that or attended some, you know, different virtual events in, in our industry that's been using that. And I think it does. It allows you to have that video content and the interaction and networking, uh, which is in the chats and different things is super important. Okay. On another note on social media. So, you know, a lot of the times we engage kind of when we're learning, try to interact with everybody online through social media. What is your social media hashtag that people should use? So, yeah, so NGWA, we're on Twitter. It's a great way to find us. We're at NGWA Tweets on Twitter. The hashtag we're going to be using all week uh, during Groundwater Week and coming into it is a hashtag GW Week 2020. 
So, you know, we're going to be, if you want to search that, you can see who's talking about this online, talking about our presentations, our keynote speakers. We're also going to be using that hashtag during the week to kind of start conversation, promote the events. Um, you know, we're also on Facebook as well and Instagram at uh, NGWA and the National Groundwater Association. So, you know, during Groundwater Week, we're going to be full full court press on social media, making sure that uh, for even those people who are you know participating and those who can't or who may be on the fence about it, see all the kind of cool stuff we're doing in real time. Yeah, I love doing that. Uh, like just like I said, like I want people to listen to this and go ahead and check it out uh, and and see. Okay, what have they posted already? And what you know, definitely check out the sessions uh, and make a plan for how you're going to attend and what sessions you want to you know definitely you know be there so that you can interact with the speaker. Is there anyone that any one of these sessions that jumps out to you that you're like it's a it's a must see in the lineup? Yeah, so. You know, we're going to be two of our our keynote speakers is going to be Kevin McGinnis, um, and he's going to be talking about establishing social distancing between contamination and drinking water systems, um, which is going to be very interesting. Again, kind of melding the, the the appliable world, the practical world of what we do, and the scientific world. And we're also going to have Alfonso Riviera um, as a keynote speaking for a groundwater summit. Uh, and he's going to be talking about the shared management of aquifers in the global scale. So that should be a really kind of a large, a large discussion um, about, you know, how we're managing these aquifers when it's probably going to be talking about a lot of recharge issues as well. So those are two that I think, whether you're on the scientist and engineer side or the contractor manufacturing side, both of those would be of big interest to folks. Awesome. Well, Ben, uh, as we've been talking, is anything else kind of came up that you wanted to share uh, before we go? No, just that, you know, I really appreciate this opportunity and I love that more people are getting into this podcast space, more opportunities to kind of tell the story of our industry. There can never be enough of them because, you know, if we reach one or two people who hadn't known anything about this, then we're doing our job and we're making a difference. So I appreciate what you guys are doing and keep doing it. Yeah. Okay. So tell everybody about your podcast now that you actually host and put on. So at wellowner.org, we have the Know Your Well podcast. Wellowner.org is our consumer facing site that we that we operate for private well owners where they can find well owner guides, tips for, for maintaining, for testing your water, for treating your water and everything in between. But we also have a few podcasts up there that go kind of a deep dive into issues like uh, water testing and talking about water testing in different states, uh, winterizing your well, uh, and just a kind of a, a deeper dive for people who are interested in really getting to know their well and getting to learn more about their water system, how they can do that. Yeah, I love that. I love how we're going to tell the story and we're going to tell it to, you know, everyday people that use water and whether they get it from the municipalities or out of their backyard in their well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's really important that we we continue to stress that we take care of our, our water and, and really know, like, if we are dumping something, you know, what that's going to do to somebody's drinking water and, and making sure that we're not uh, contaminating it. Right. And the important work of reme- water remediating um, these type of issues and emerging contaminants. It's, you know, there's no, there's no shortage of interesting issues to talk about. So I'm always glad when more people are talking about them. Yes. Well, I could talk to you all day, especially <laughs> saying, you know, you told us that you came from the policy side of things. And, you know, this week that we're recording, uh, we've all been just stuck to the television trying to see yeah. who our president was. And so, you know, I'm just excited to be able to share 
just another resource for people through podcasting. So Ben, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And that's a wrap for this special bonus episode of the Empowering Industry Podcast. If you want to continue the conversation with us, you can tag us on social media at Empowering Pumps, use that hashtag, hashtag Empowering Industry Podcast, or email us at podcast at empoweringpumps.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review, and we'll be back next Monday with a full episode. Until then, be empowering.